Hello and welcome to the Forest of the Fae. Here on Pop Culture Fae, we take a look at movies, TV, comics, and other popular media through the lens of the queer folks of society. I am Miller C. Lashbrook and I am your host on your journey through the Forest of the Fae. This week on Pop Culture Fae, I will be talking about The Flash and sharing my thoughts about that movie and also Marvel's Secret Invasion, Episode 1. Alrighty, this is Faye News. In this segment, I'll cover this week's big entertainment news that caught my eye. Uh, and actually, in this case, it's going to be the last two weeks since uh, we didn't have an episode last week. So in MCU news, Captain America 4 has now officially been retitled. It is no longer Captain America New World Order. I think the folks at Marvel realized that there is some negative anti-Semitic connotation to that phrase and they have decided to instead uh take a name from a famous dystopian novel and name it brave new world um i think the the, having the world brave in there kind of fits with the patriotic theme of the captain america franchise uh but also just glad that they are veering away from uh the the concept of the new world order. I think that is for the best. Um, also just, I, I think they just want a title that screams, this is a new era for captain America and a new era for the MCU world. I think a lot of this is probably going to, uh, kind of spin out of the politics that we've seen in past MCU projects in phase four, like, uh, black Panther, Wakanda forever, like Falcon and the winter soldier, and like we're seeing in Secret Invasion. We also got some movie date changes over the past couple weeks. Now, a lot of these date changes are movies getting pushed back. I think a lot of that is to do with the writer's strike. Right now, everything is kind of uncertain. So I would just say take all of these dates with a grain of salt because they could possibly change again. (laughs) Uh, We had Deadpool 3 moved up. I think that was the only one that moved closer uh, to May 3rd, 2024. So that's less than a year away. Captain America Brave New World is now slated for August 26, 2024. Thunderbolts is now slated for December 20th, 2024. Blade is now slated for February 14th, 2025. Take a drink. Blake got delayed again. Uh, Fantastic Four got delayed to May 2nd, 2025, Avengers King Dynasty is now set to release May 1st, 2026, and Avengers Secret Wars is now slated to release May 7th, 2027. I will be in my 30s when that movie comes out. Uh, it's so far away. Uh, so those are all New release dates, like I said, I would anticipate some of those getting pushed back even more as uh, the writer's strike continues, as studios um, refuse to negotiate with creatives, anticipate further delays. In other MCU news, the distribution rights for Hulk movies 
reverted back to Disney. So uh, the Incredible Hulk was added to Disney Plus, and now a Hulk movie could be created by uh, Marvel Studios without it having to be distributed by Universal Studios. So uh, maybe we'll get an announcement for some kind of Hulk or Hulk Squad or Hulk family movie uh, in the future. In Sony Marvel uh, Marvel movie news, uh, obviously Spider-Verse is doing very well at the box office. There have been talks about the third movie beyond the Spider-Verse getting pushed a little bit, but not too far next year. Um, I'm guessing they want to make sure the animation is looking great for the end to this trilogy of movies. Also in Sony Marvel movie news, El Muerto is still happening, I guess, but also Bad Bunny has reportedly left the project, so what's going on with that movie? We don't know. Uh, Good job, Sony. Do your thing. (laughs) And uh, in other Sony Marvel news, we got our the first official trailer release for the Craven the Hunter movie coming out later this year. It looks like, in my humble opinion, another Morbius. It looks like uh, it's going to be Craven time this <laughs> year around uh, because, I mean, you can't just take a villain for arguably one of the greatest superheroes of all time if not the greatest superhero of all time, Spider-Man, and make them into anti-heroes. Like, (laughs) Sony, what are you doing? Like, Kraven's whole deal is that he wants to hunt and kill, like, every apex predator, every animal, but also, like, any costumed character that's themed after animals. Like, that's not a hero. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's somebody that we need to stop like from from killing like wild animals like i just i i don't understand what is going on and also the rhino is not paul giamatti and that makes me incredibly upset because i thought that we were that i thought that the whole internet had decided that sony should just keep doing the andrew garfield universe thing for their own movies with like Venom and all that, but Sony apparently did not get that memo from the internet, and it's like a new character. So I don't, I, I, <laughs> I don't, listener, I have just about as much of an idea of what's going on with Sony as you do. Um, also, remember, Madam Web is getting her own movie, <laughs> and it's supposed to come out at some point th- this year, maybe? Question mark. Or next year, who knows anymore? Um, the world is a strange place. <laughs> In DC news, uh, the Flash, the final movie of the DC EU, uh, has officially hit theaters. Direct the director of the Flash, Andy Muschietti, has been announced to be directing um, Batman: Brave and the Bold, the first Batman movie of, under James Gunn. So. Uh, James Gunn at least liked The Flash. <laughs> um, also in DC news, Harley Quinn season four has been given a premiere date of July 27th. So that's right around the corner. In uh, Disney news, 
Pixar's Elemental has hit theaters and Pixar has released a trailer for their movie coming out in 2024 called Elio. In other movie news, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is coming out this coming weekend and the Avatar sequels have gotten dates. So if you thought that the Secret Wars date was going to make you feel like you're going to be real old, listen to these dates. Avatar 3 is releasing December 19th, 2025. That's actually not that far away. Avatar 4 is releasing December 21st, 2029. (laughs) And Avatar 5 is set to release December 19th, 2031. That, That date doesn't even sound real. Like, I feel like the world might implode before we get to that date. Like, the... I, my brain just can't even fathom something that far away other than like, well, yeah, my brain cannot fathom a date that far away. That's literally eight years from now. Um, yeah. In TV news. Okay. Let's take a, let's take a breath real quick before we talk about this. Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies and Star Trek Prodigy have both been canceled after their first season. So that is not unusual, right? Plenty of shows have a season, not a lot of people watch them, and then they get canceled. But uh, Paramount has decided that because these shows were not watched by that many people and because they are not getting renewed, that they are going to remove both of these shows from Paramount+. Plus. Now... The important thing to know about this is that these shows only exist on Paramount+. Plus. They do not exist anywhere else, right? Obviously, Paramount will not, I hope not, delete the files of these shows, right? Like, that they will physically exist on a, like, saved somewhere on a hard drive, I'm sure. Um, Also, I'm sure these shows exist on someone's hard drive out there (laughs) on the pirate seas uh if you understand what i'm saying um the on on the waves of the pirate bay um but the idea that hundreds or thousands of people can work really hard on a show and not just a random show right both of these shows have connections to existing things that people care about right Star Trek has a huge fandom and Greece is like one of the most beloved movie musicals of all time. And so you have both of these shows that have fans, like people did watch these. It's not like they had a a net zero watch count uh, on the shows. I'm sure there are fans of these. I, I mean, I know there's people who have watched those, watched these shows and they aren't, uh, pot- they're potentially not going to be available anywhere. And my brain just can't wrap around the business of that, right? Like, how can that be good business? You have an audience for these shows, even if it's small, right? At least put them somewhere for people to watch and pay pay you money to watch them, right? You made them. You might as well make some money off of them. And so I, I really hope that in all these contract renegotiations with the different guilds, like the Writers Guild of America, that they can work out something where these studios and streaming services 
are are not allowed to remove shows without the show existing somewhere else even if that means they're going to an ad supported service like um like freebie or fubo or whatever those services are called or it goes to a um a purchasing library like uh itunes or like amazon where you can purchase things by the episode or by a season right then at the very least people who like these shows even if that's only a couple hundred people right they can have access to something that they enjoy and they care about also so that the people who worked on these shows can have some proof for their resume right think about all the people who spent hours working on these shows who need these shows to get their next gig right they they need proof that they worked on this show so that they can say hey look at this animation i did for star trek prodigy please hire me for like the um next airbender show or or, or movie or please hire me for to work at pixar right like the i think a lot of times fandom can get so wrapped up in like the fan implications of things that we even just forget to think about how like people's livelihoods are at stake with these with uh, shows and movies, because these are jobs that people are working, right? Uh, and this is hard work that hundreds of people have put in to create these things. And potentially, um, that's going to go away because Paramount has just decided they don't want to take up a little space on their server anymore for it, right? So um, it's... It's not great, um, <laughs> and, and I don't even know what to do, right? Like, people can shout and scream on Twitter all they want, but it really seems like the these bigger companies, like, they're not listening and they don't, they may not care, right? And so, um, put your money where you can, right? Um, and even then, it's like, what am I, like... How do, how do we even do that, right? Because there's no, oh, it's tough, right? If I mean, buy merch for these shows? I don't know, like, the, I, I, and even that's not a perfect, like, uh, solution to the, the problem. I, yeah, get mad, be loud, uh, and uh, when you can, talk with your money, I guess is what I'll say but I feel like people are already doing that. So yeah, it's just sad. Hopefully, hopefully the studios at least think about the fact that they could make a little bit of money by putting this on like iTunes or something. Uh, in other TV to, to move on, cause I know I don't want to keep talking about that like sad state of affairs for entertainment uh, to move on in other TV news. Good Omens season two uh, premieres July 28th. So that show is right around the corner. So we're getting that. And uh, we are getting Harley Quinn and uh, What We Do in the Shadows all in late July. So time to uh, laugh a lot uh, at the end of summer. In gaming news, we had a Nintendo Direct this week. There are a lot of, um, per usual with Nintendo Directs, we get a lot of kind of like third party, like smaller indie game announcements. Um, there are definitely a lot of uh, those, but kind of the big takeaways for me um, we started with a trailer for the 
the DLC for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Not a lot of new stuff was in that trailer. We didn't even get specific dates yet still for the two different parts of the DLC. Uh, it's still fall for part one and uh, winter for part two. So I don't know when that's coming. Uh, my biggest takeaway from that trailer was that we saw a Sentret in the trailer for like two seconds, which means that I can have a Furret in uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. And as an owner of three ferrets, I'm very happy about that. Also, Shiny Furret is pink and super adorable. Um, other games, back to the Nintendo Direct though, other games that uh, were announced, they are doing a remake for Super Mario RPG, um, this, the uh, SNES game for the Switch. It looks super adorable. I like the little tiny like chibi Mario uh, for it. Um, I am a little, uh, I never played that game. It's a little before my time. Uh, and so I'm excited. I like all the Mario RPGs that I have played. So I'm excited to play that one uh, for the first time on the Switch. Also, the um, next 2D side-scrolling platforming Marvel Mario game was announced with Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Um, biggest takeaway: Elephant Mario is super adorable. Uh, he eats like an elephant apple and becomes an elephant version of himself, wearing his little outfit. And he's so cute. Um, I like the 2D side-scrolling Mario games a lot. And so I'll probably, not probably, I'll definitely get this. Uh, they most of the time still have couch co-op, which more games need couch co-op. Please, gaming companies, if you're listening to my podcast, please, please make more games with couch co-op. Uh, and it looks like this one is going to have couch co-op. And Daisy is going to be a playable character. I've been wanting her to be a playable character in a like Mar a 2D Mario game for a really long time because she's my favorite of the Mario princesses, and so I'm happy about that. Speaking of Mario princesses, Peach is getting her own game. We didn't get a name for the game, but it looks like it's going to be kind of like theater or ballet themed in some kind of way, like Peach was on a stage. And so that's really exciting. That's definitely something I'll probably pick up because I'm gay and Peach, like those things go together. <laughs> uh, so that'll be fun. And uh, yeah, other games were announced, other games are coming. They focused on Pikmin 4 a lot in it because that's kind of their next big uh, title coming up. So exciting stuff from Nintendo. Uh, no movie related announcements, which I think was a little bit of a surprise. Um, I think people were maybe expecting a hint at what the next project with Illumination would be. But um, yeah, nothing in that regard. So that completes the Faye news for um, the past two weeks. And next, I'm going to be talking about The Flash. So I wanted to take part of this episode to talk about my thoughts on The Flash. Um, not only because I enjoyed the movie and I just want to talk about it and I think more people should see it, but also because 
it's kind of a big deal. It's the last um, movie of the the Snyderverse, the DCEU, whatever we want to call it, right? Um, our, it, it, James Gunn, at least, has said that Blue Beetle, the next DC movie coming out, is the first in this new DCU in, in Gunn's universe. So, uh, yeah, the... I, I don't know. I don't have a lot of in-depth thoughts on the specifics. I mean, it's basically a movie adaptation of the Flashpoint storyline. Um, there, and obviously things are different there, right? With any movie adaptation, things aren't going to be the same. Um, and the circumstances of the universe uh, are different and, as we're seeing with Secret Invasion, right? You you can't really do um, a big comic book crossover event with every movie, right? Like, not everything can be Endgame uh, budget wise, but also just in terms of scope and scale, not every movie needs to be like Avengers Endgame. And so, I think a lot of people are coming into some of these comic book product projects. I'll get back around to the flash in a second. Uh, with this big, these big expectations from these comic book crossovers that are getting adapted, and wanting that same kind of scope and scale, but not willing to meet the project on its level, right? Uh, based on things they've seen in trailers and and all of that, right? I don't think anybody. I don't think it would be realistic for anybody to go into this Flash movie thinking that they were going to get the scope and scale of the Flashpoint comic where you had things happening with um, like Aquaman and Wonder Woman and a war between Themyscira and Atlantis. And uh, you have uh, all these different alternate universe versions of characters like Shazam and we have like the Thomas Wayne Batman, right? Like we that's just not a realistic expectation for this movie based on the ad campaign. But also I don't think it's a realistic expectation for the DC EU at all, right? That we haven't gotten to that kind of scale of thing with a DC movie yet. Uh, maybe one day, right? Um, but that being said, taking the movie as it is, right? Taking it for what has been made by the creative team. I think we have a fun flash movie. Um, I don't think this feels like a CW episode. Whoever's saying that online is has either never watched the stuff on the CW in earnest or uh, they are watching that stuff with some real rose-colored glasses uh, because the quality of this movie is way more than, even just in like how much money was spent on this movie, uh, is way better than a CW episode. Um, but also the acting is way better than the acting in a CW show. Um, and, and not to knock those shows, like if that's your thing, right? Like more power to you. I I've ha- I used to have a lot of fun watching those shows too um, and kind of fell off of them after the, the crisis event. But anyway, um, the this movie is a fun Flash movie. We really get to see... Um, Ezra Miller's take on Barry, because we don't really get that in either version of the Justice League, right? That those movies are way more about uh, Bruce and Clark, uh, really, uh, than they are about Barry as a character. 
and uh, we get some typical flash like fun uh, with time travel uh, stuff, which is kind of a staple of flash storylines. I think for me, um, where this movie shines the most is when they lean into the physical comedy of the flash as a character. Uh, And they really let Ezra Miller show their comedy chops as an actor and just have fun with the role. And they don't take things too seriously, which if we're talking about the director here, Andy Muschietti, uh, I did not know he could make a movie that was this funny, right? Like (laughs) the movies that I know him for before this are it chapter one and two. Well, which I guess there is comedy in those movies now that I think about it, right? You have um, the the kids are making jokes at certain points and um, you have Bill Hader's character in the second one. So I guess there are comedic moments in those movies, but this is definitely... um, a fun superhero movie, um, which in my opinion, I, we could use some fun after the Snyder movies, which are not very fun. And they're, they're interesting and they have things to say, but fun is not a word I would necessarily use to describe those movies. And so if you have yet to see the flash, um, really, I guess I'll say, if you like superhero movies and you find stories that use time travel to reflect upon the character on the, like who the characters are internally and what makes them those characters, this story explores that really well with both Barry and Bruce Wayne um, as characters and really getting to the core of like what makes Barry Allen, Barry Allen, and what makes Bruce Wayne Bruce Wayne and using the multiverse and time travel to explore that. Um, In terms of like, if you've seen the ending or any kind of like spoilers online, I think there's a lot of this movie to see that can't be spoiled really. Like that's to say a lot of what's good about this movie is just the um, watching the story unfold and seeing the characters interact with one another. And I think you'll have a good time with this movie. Um, Also we're in, we're getting into a a lull after this weekend with Indiana Jones, where there's not going to be new movies for a couple of weeks. So you could go to the theater and see this. If you haven't caught it yet, Uh, you might be able to catch it on a nice screen now that things are kind of wrapping up um, with the crazy month of June in terms of movie releases. So that's my thoughts on The Flash. I think if I were to give it a, well, uh, as someone someone who's taught for five years, I guess I'll give a letter grade, right? That seems on brand for me. Uh, if I were to give The Flash a letter grade, I think, I think a B, like a solid B is a fair grade. Maybe we're looking at like close to a B minus. No, no. I think a, a solid B is a fair grade for this movie. I think it's a lot of fun. It's not like a perfect superhero movie. It's not doing anything like new or groundbreaking, uh, but it's a good time. Yeah.
Okay, time to talk Secret Invasion Episode 1. The MCU is back on Disney+. Plus. It feels like it's been a while. I mean, we've had MCU stuff going on, right? Because we had Ant-Man and uh, we had uh, Quantumania in February. And we, of course, had the amazing near-perfect movie Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> um, but the last MCU project on Disney Plus was She-Hulk. And then She-Hulk ended in early... Or it might have been even October when it ended. Yeah, and so it's been a while since we've had a Marvel Disney Plus show uh, week to week. And so it's back. We've got Secret Invasion. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I'm always excited for any of the MCU shows to be happening week to week. I like getting a little Marvel, uh, a little MCU every week, right? Um, but I'm specifically excited for this show because we've never really gotten a project with Nick Fury in a starring role in the MCU at all. And we haven't really had a like show focused on the like spy side or uh, we let me rephrase. <laughs> we haven't had a project focusing on like the spy side of the MCU since Black Widow came out in uh, 2021. So we definitely have some ground to explore, right? Cause the timeline hasn't stopped progressing for the MCU. So things have uh, changed and also Black Widow took place uh, before Infinity War. So the, the, even then, like, right, there's a lot of spy stuff to explore. In terms of if you haven't watched the show yet, what do you need to rewatch or what do you need to get a recap of to kind of remember going into this show? I would say just kind of knowing the political landscape of the MCU post Endgame is going to be important for this show. So having watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier is probably a good idea for, before watching this show, right? Knowing what's going on with the politics of the MCU. We know that uh, Everett Ross is a part of the show in some capacity. So maybe having watched both Black Panther movies will be a good idea. Um, and in terms of thematic similarities, it seems like Civil War, Winter Soldier, and Black Widow are the thematic um, the projects that are the most similar thematically to this one. So those might be worth rewatching as well. And then narrative wise, of course, you want to rewatch Captain Marvel, right? The scroll are introduced in that movie and they are the big draw here. So you want to know what's going on with them. You want to know who the scroll are. And specifically you want the introduction to Talos as a character. Um, he is a, he is a secondary protagonist, it seems like, um, at least so far in episode one uh, for the show, along with Nick Fury. And Nick Fury uh, is one of the main characters of that movie, too. So th that movie does a lot setting up the, the plot here. In terms of my thoughts of the first episode overall, without going into any kind of spoilers, because uh, if you haven't watched the first episode, 
you should probably watch it as soon as you can because there is something that definitely happens in this episode which could get spoiled for you online. Um, but without spoilers, I'll say I really enjoyed this first episode. I think it sets the tone for this series really well. I'm glad to see that this show is going with uh, that political thriller tone where we have a lot of characters not sure what's going on, questioning everything around them. And they are uh, sitting sitting in, in uh, dimly lit rooms and questioning the other characters, right? Kind of a staple of uh, political thrillers as a, as a genre. Samuel Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn are amazing here. They're doing wonderful jobs and they are they are not hon- like phoning it in for a paycheck here. They are bringing all their acting chops to this in this first episode and you can really see the history of their friendship um, on display in this episode. I definitely think in this first episode <laughs> the uh, we're not seeing too much yet in the way of like reveals of scrolls as like pretending to be certain people but we got to build to that right uh in a way that like we couldn't get to some of the most amazing episodes of andor without having uh some of the earlier episodes that were slower paced i think this show is going to have a similar pacing to that show we've got to build the tension and build conflict between the scroll, between uh, the political entities of the MCU, between Fury and his group, right? We have to build that tension so that we can uh, let go of that rubber band, if you will, and feel that snap back. Um, and I, 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 they're already ratcheting up that tension for sure in this first episode. Okay. Uh, if you haven't seen the episode, I would pause pause the podcast, go watch it and come back because I'm going to talk uh, a little for a little bit about some of the spoilery things in the episode. Okay. You've been warned. Okay. Oh my goodness. I cannot believe that they killed Maria Hill in the first episode of this show. Like, I know Colby Smulders is not like the biggest actress in the world and Maria Hill isn't the biggest character in the MCU, but for them to kill the character that's been Nick Fury's right-hand person, like since the first Avengers movie, right? And just to kill off a character who's been in the MCU for 11 years, right? In the first episode... That's a, that's a tone setter right there, right? Like says a lot about where this show is going and what they're going to be willing to do. That tells me that, like, we could get some, maybe not like, we're not going to see characters who aren't billed to be in the show die, but maybe we could get some interesting character deaths or, or reveals that people are scrawl, right? We open the episode with a scroll disguised as Ross. And that sets the tone right away that of what we are in store for in the show. 
that we as audience members along with Fury need to constantly be questioning who's who and whether or not someone is a scroll, which I like that's going to be the most exciting part of the show as these weeks go, like us questioning everything we're seeing, right? And yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I could see the president being revealed to be a scroll. But like what if Rhodey's a scroll? I th- that's the one that I'm like feeling might be a big reveal. And one of these scroll reveals has to be like they've been a scroll longer than this show has started, right? We we need a we need at least one reveal of like they've been a scroll since Endgame or whatever, right? And we're like, wait, so that was a scroll talking to Sam and in Falcon and the Winter Soldier at that museum, right? Or we have like the, a scroll is the president, and that sets up things for like Captain America four, right? Or we have the reveal that Fury has been a scroll, right? Like that, I, that might be the, the obvious one, right? Since he's our main character, um, but also might make things weird because like we're supposed to be following him um, as a character. The th- the thing that kind of was going through my head though, with like, oh my gosh, anybody could be a scroll, is that. We never see in this first episode Ben Mendelsohn not as Ben Mendelsohn. Like, he, we never see Talos. <laughs> I'll put this a different way. In the whole first episode, Talos looks like a human. And what is to stop another scroll from looking like Talos's, like, Ben Mendelsohn human form? And so. That could be an interesting wrinkle, right? Also, we're just supposed to go with the fact that Gia is Gia, right? Because Talos says that Gia is Gia, that Gia, that Amelia Clark is his daughter, but we don't see her as a scroll either. So there's a lot of this like, we are meant to believe certain things because characters tell them to be, tell them to other characters or we hear that we overhear them as the audience that they are supposed to be fact, but we should, at least in a show like this, I feel like we should be questioning everything. (laughs) And I think if we kind of go into each episode, kind of questioning who is who, what are, what is actually true, then uh that's going to be a fun ride for these next five weeks as we uh, watch this show. The, the line at the beginning of the episode of like, Oh, a world with a world where information can't be trusted. Does that sound so strange? Right. I mean, definitely a, a shot at the real world, but also setting a tone setter for us, right? We should not trust all the information that we are being given even if it's being given by um, through the lens of other characters, right? Just because Fury tells us that that is Talos does not mean that necessarily is Talos. Just because Talos has told us Gia is Gia does not mean we should necessarily believe that, right? Um, and so there, I think, and I, I think 
questioning everything is going to make things more fun too, uh, as a viewer for a show like this. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, also, I didn't mention her, but Olivia Coleman is in the show and she's amazing uh, just in general, but I really like what she's doing here. I like her being this M like MI6 figure um, like M from James Bond from like 007 movies, her being the British kind of counterpart to Nick Fury. Um, and she's great. And I am excited to see more of her and what she does in this show. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here for the next couple weeks with this, or the next five weeks with the show. I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited to see what this also sets up for the MCU afterward, right? What happens from here, right? Are scrolls going to be no longer a threat in the MCU, or is this going to set up them for something else in the future? I'll also be interested to see, is the Fury that we saw in the Marvel's trailer actually Nick Fury? <laughs> That's a, a question that we could have too, right? Is that just a scrawl Fury? Is that Talos making people think Fury's still alive? If Because he, he could be dead by the end of the show. Who knows, right? Um, anything's possible with this show. And uh, I'm enjoying it. So if you haven't watched it, give it a shot. Um, oh, I guess we could talk about the intro. Enough people have talked about it online. Um, the opening credits are AI generated. The the creator, the director for all six episodes has revealed that. So um, I know a lot of people have issues with AI art, understandably so. Um, and I think anybody who wants to use AI art to replace artists, uh, that's not good. That's not good. That shouldn't be happening. However... Um, if I don't know how to feel about it, I feel like I'm in like a middle ground. I'm not going to completely 100% dismiss. I'm definitely not going to dismiss the whole show because of it. Cause it's just one part of it. Um, but I'm also not, I also don't want to dismiss the idea of using AI generated art as an artistic tool. Um, it, it, Without getting into the weeds of it, I think if someone, and we don't have the specifics of how they used the AI art, what program they used, and all of that for the show, I think if we had more clarification on that, it would be easier to talk about this. We just know that they used some sort of AI-generated art for the opening credit sequence, and we don't even know in what capacity, right? Um, but I think, like, let's say the creative sat down, they had concept art generated by real artists, right? And they fed that into the AI art program and nothing else, right? Um, or they fed in their artwork that's owned by Disney or by Marvel, right? Into that. And then they wanted to specifically have artwork that looked like AI art to make a commentary about deception and about, um, things not looking quite right or quite human, I think that is an interesting use of AI art uh, to say something thematically with the show. And I think there's artistic merit in that. If it was a way to just get around paying people to make an opening credit sequence, that's not good. <laughs> but like I said, we don't know in what capacity they used AI art for the opening credit sequence. We just know that it was used somehow. 
Um, with And without further clarification, I think arguing about it and talking about it so much, unless you are someone who is completely 100% like, I don't, you don't like any AI art being used at all. Um, I think the argument is a little pointless without further information. Um, and that's just my opinion. You could disagree with me all you want. That's the beauty of the internet. Everybody will disagree with you, right? Um, but also that's just the beauty of something this complex, right? Um, in art, we all have our own stake in it. We all have our own different opinions on it. Um, because, and also I'm not an artist, so I have a very different viewpoint than someone who does make art. Uh, and that is important to remember too. My opinion is not like the most important um, by any means in uh, this conversation. Whereas as a writer, I've definitely got some opinions to say about AI generated writing. Um, and as an English teacher, I've got a lot to say about AI generated essays, right? Um, and like chat GPT. So take my opinion with a grain of salt, but I do think allowing creatives to have access to AI as an artistic tool is something that it's, it's another tool like anything else, right? And so it's something that should be available to them if they want to use it ethically. And what that looks like, what is and is not ethical, I guess, is for each of us to decide. Um, but yeah, anyway, everything else besides taking away the opening credits, you can hit that skip button each week when you <laughs> if you wanted to skip over the credits. Um, uh, the show itself is, is great, I think. Having weekly MCU stuff again is awesome. I I like the week to week format, and uh, I think we're we're far enough away from the She Hulk of it all and the Ms. Marvel of it all um, that I am gonna try to take each episode for what it is. But I'm also going to try my best to not really judge the show until we get to the end. So I'm not going to give a grade or any kind of rating uh, to this show until we get to episode six, uh, because these things are filmed like movies. They are treated like six episode, like a movie broken up into six chunks because they're miniseries, right? Um, we wouldn't, well, maybe some people would judge, uh, like <laughs> a miniseries based on a single episode. But yeah, I'm going to withhold any kind of numbered or rating-based judgment until we get to the final episode. So uh, that are, those are my thoughts, my rambling, very much rambling thoughts on uh, Secret Invasion Episode 1. Alrighty, thank you for joining me today as I talked about uh, DC's The Flash and Marvel's Secret Invasion Episode 1. If you're listening and enjoying the podcast, please give it a review on your podcasting platform of choice. Also, if you have a friend who would like the podcast, make sure to share it with them to grow our little community here. Once again, I am Miller C. Lashbrook. You can find me on Twitter at Mill C. Lashbrook, on Instagram at Miller C. Lashbrook, and for more Pop Culture Fay, you can head to my website, popculturefay.com, for blog posts and more content. I hope that you have a fantastic day, and I hope to find you the next time you wander into the forest of Pop Culture Fay. <laughs>